0: Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beacon podcast, Canadian events for the regular people. Three, regular Canadians giving their opinion on world and Canadian
1: news. So, well, speaking of hot topics, uh, our topic tonight 10 things you'd do if you were in charge. I'll let you go ahead first sir Todd. Let's, let's go through the gambit and have a little discussion on each one of them.
0: Yeah, do you want to do one and then me do one?
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah, but. Uh, I'll
0: let yeah. you start off
1: and uh, okay. we'll, we'll go from there.
0: Well, if I was, <clears throat> you know, something unfortunate would be fall Justin Trudeau and they the people of the of Canada came to their senses and yeah. appointed me dictator of Canada for what, a fixed term,
1: that would be a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> what
0: I w- what I would do is spend my whole mandate dictating freedom in this country and the first thing i would do and i would ensure that these laws had to be written in stone so thoroughly to the effect that it had to be a national referendum of 60 percent in order to change and it had to be 60 percent in each province yes <laughs> the first thing i would do is i would impose a limit on taxation federally and provincially <clears throat> whereas um i would set them my my number would be 10% for each so yeah that most, makes sense yeah the most federal and the, the taxation sim- system would be simple 10% of your income
1: done and that End that's skirt. straightforward done and uh that's your budget work within your budget or piss off yeah that's it that's it if you can't work in the budget then you got to go back to the people and uh and explain yep why you can't work within a 10 year budget that you have and i think a good portion of that would be uh probably used to try to pay off this outrageous incredible debt we have Mm -hmm. um or maybe we could add a, a what do you think a 2% pure debt reduction uh thing to that or oh
0: i would i would i would consider that if the debt was still around then because i think um long before you or i are appointed dictator of the country i think we're going to go through our own uh fiscal monetary crisis
1: yeah that's that
0: true. either we're going to hyperinflate our way out of it or default
1: yeah well they, they're talking about countries that go bankrupt right like uh iceland was one mm-hmm. didn't they go bankrupt
0: yeah greece has italy has greece, italy what do they call them in europe the pigs portugal italy greece, greece and spain
1: spain that's right and
0: argentina what they would do is just hyperinflate. yeah their currency
1: yeah yeah so. okay so that that's that's one now i'll follow up on that with uh if you know being granted the the, the ability to be dictator um i would turn welfare like i said into workfare uh-huh. i would uh i would say every anyone that's uh, on social assistance that is collecting uh, benefits would have to provide uh some labor to the municipality they they live in and of course you're going to make allowances for people that are are mentally handicapped and physically handicapped and we have those allowances through uh, programs like the odsp and things of that nature but people Mm -hmm. that are able-bodied if if they're not and not just them demonstrating they're looking for work but looking for work and also contributing to the community that they'd have to do, and, and if they don't, uh, the, the money shut off. The other thing I would do is, if they get caught in uh, committing a criminal act, i would be—I'd say—I'd put a suspension of their uh, benefits for a period of time.
0: Yeah, hard ass man, and yep. it—I think it'll um, generationally. I think. Even more or as important as the fiscal aspect of it is the um, sort of a discouragement of being a slacker and instilling a sense of responsibility, civic responsibility in the society. Yeah, that, exactly. Do you notice, too, that you find that most people are disabled?
1: Yeah, everybody's a victim. Everybody's got a disability, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but but I noticed though that I know like of people that are legitimately disabled but they have careers.
1: Yeah. yeah. They
0: they have that like it, it it's not their dis- it's not the fact that they have a disability. It's the fact is that they're lazy. <laughs> you That's know what right. I mean? Exactly. There's people because there's lots of people with disability that strive and and do good things and stuff like that, right? It's like <laughs> you know, disability, they don't use disability as an excuse to get, make their way through life.
1: Yeah. There's that, that expression, you know, if, if you love what you do for work, uh, you'll never work another day because whatever you love, you'll, you'll never get the job in that field.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of those people appreciate, <laughs> uh, uh, appreciate the fact that they're doing something right. They don't want to feel like they're yeah. um, a burden to society. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. No, I think, I think that's a. I think that is a a really good idea. Yeah. And what we could do is we could get the studio audience to vote. Once we're done, who yeah. would be the best dictator?
1: Who would be the best dictator? Oh well, that's a, that's an easy one. You know, uh, we we'll, we just have to look at, at at the end result. With you, there'd be heads lined up on the end of spikes <laughs> leading into. Uh, a, parliament hill yeah. right with all the politicians and uh then they'll look at me and they'll see uh at least i'll hide the bodies right yeah <laughs> yeah you're more I mean, you're more subtle yeah. yeah yeah
0: we could do a triumvirate with you me you and paul
1: yeah yeah that's right
0: this is like the romans
1: yeah or uh yeah that'd be funny so okay so again what uh, work fair for welfare instead that'd be great we uh you know uh, expanding on that the one thing i I noticed that you you, you talked about is that sense of uh, commitment to the municipality to the to the country at large um i'm gonna i'm gonna say my next point i'll let you go ahead and then i'll bring up my next point which is uh well what did you want to
0: do if it dovetails in why don't you do it
1: well uh, okay i'll I'll bring it in um the other thing is i would uh, i'd reform the teaching in schools to teach a lot about patriotism and a lot of, of about history of, of the country and the sacrifices people made to build the country. And really push on uh, you know, the, the idea of public service and, and, and work ethics as being part of the curriculum in schools. And that's not just in public schools and in high school, that kind of thing. I'd say all the way up, in, even through university,
0: Oh, that's where it is so badly needed there.
1: Yeah. Like uh, universities really need to have a sense of public to, to help the public, to, to be part of the community, to to contribute to the community, not just to be the the critic, criticism of the community.
0: Yeah. You little s- subsidized assholes show some patriotism.
1: Yeah. Uh, Don, <laughs> Don Bangino uh, brought up a good point. uh actually in today's podcast, he did was that the problem with Americans, uh, and I say this and I reflect the problem with Canadians as well, is they don't know how good they have it right now. You -hmm. don't understand your freedoms that you you have, which you're, you're pissing away, because except for the countries of the United States, Canada, England, maybe Germany and Australia, are the only countries that are really uh, democratic countries where you can operate in a democratic process. Maybe some other the European countries as well. But take these Canadians that are so uh, angry about being Canadians or so sorry they're about Canadian, being a Canadian or are the apologists. And, and I, I take them and, and throw them into a third world country and say, hey, make ends meet for a year. Now Mm -hmm. now come back to our country and see the benefits you have here. Mm -hmm.
0: No, exactly. Yeah. I think that's, it's funny what you're going to say, like let's finish the discussion on this, but the things that you're saying, I'm almost dovetailing into them with what the other stuff that I'm going to say down the road a bit. But I think education is about perspective too. Right. And like you say, what they're being preached today about uh, right now, like for example, the residential school system, yeah, was not a great thing in our history. But there's also many good things in our
1: history. That's right. right, exactly. And that's us concentrate and looking at some of the good things is that we under, got to understand and learn from the bad things. And exactly. And the thing is, by wiping the bad things out from our history, doesn't negate them, and all it does is stops us from learning from them and makes us do them again. Getting rid of all these statues of all these famous people from our past, because maybe they took part in something which at the time sounded like a great idea, but in today's, by weighing it against today's ethics and culture isn't, doesn't mean they were bad people. Uh, they, they did a lot in establishing our country and they did mm-hmm. a lot to get things going and people got to respect that we I think that we got to is- understand the some of the things they did were not raw, we're not right in today's society but at the time it, it wasn't it wasn't something that was seen as evil or bad or done it looked like they they're trying to help
0: yeah, these people about especially Sir John A McDonald, they should pull their heads out of their asses because if it wasn't for John A McDonald's vision, we would probably be American. Yeah. Not yeah. saying I love America and everything like that. We wouldn't we wouldn't have a country. Yeah.
1: We would eventually exactly.
0: be absorbed it we'd eventually be absorbed in the United States because he he did the east-west connection with the railway and focused on uh, you know, confederation and 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 building a country, and you know, that's the positive things that the guy did. We always and, and and I don't myself because I read a lot of history about people. Yeah. And and it comes down to education. History is not black and white. History is all different colors, good and bad, exactly. of every every person in history. Like I always come back to Winston Churchill, he has a very checkered past. Yeah. And that's always the same with always with people of influence. They are not perfect human beings and they have the prejudice and context of the time that they're in.
1: Yeah. It's like what is Pontius Pilate said? He without sin cast the first stone, right? Yeah. 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 So,
0: no, I think that I think that's extremely important.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. Your turn, Todd
0: uh the next one is immigration
1: oh that's okay yeah
0: yeah immigration has been a policy and and i'm, I'm going to say it uh our present immigration system is based on displacing the resident culture in the country i blame the official policy of multiculturalism <clears throat> the fact is is that we had three founding cultures in this country We had the French culture, the English culture, and the Inuit uh, indigenous culture. Our focus with one is that we should limit immigration to economic policy. The fact is, is that if we need specific skills or trades. We look for them. We look for them. Our present immigration system, I mean, I was in Paris today. The little town of Paris is turned into a suburb of the larger area and this is the this is what's going on with immigration in our country it's a false economic benefit what's happening is people are immigrating here they're bringing money and they're, we're building urban sprawl in order to contain these areas to contain the, or house the people that are coming here yeah and I don't I don't think growth, in this way is of necessarily benefit to this this country. Yeah. Now, um, s- someone can say, oh, oh, that's racist, but it's not. Canada is already a multicultural country. We have people already here that are Canadians that are from all over the world. The
1: world, exactly, yeah.
0: And it's not necessarily benefiting them.
1: That's right, they're is a disadvantage uh, from the, the immigration policies that are presently in fact. Yeah, you know, you look at that and I I agree totally. That's actually one of my points was on immigration was to to limit immigration to skilled uh, labor, to people with demonstrative uh, proof they can contribute to the Society of Canada. These kind of things are are necessary. Now, let's peel that back a little bit further. There was just a, a, I was watching a program and just of so the program was saying, we're a dying people. Like in general, as humans uh, go, uh, one, one, maybe one race more than another or anything like this. Because the birth rate, for example, uh, just during this COVID crisis in the last year and a half, the birth rate has dropped by 144,000 people that haven't wow. been bo- haven't been born that's that's a huge notch out of the workforce uh, mm-hmm. of the future yeah if we don't have that we uh, you know sad to say uh what is it now Jen? what's this next generation that's now around
0: oh i don't know Mo- well they call them millennials
1: millennials or whatever hey guys you gotta have babies that's uh <laughs> You gotta at least maintain our, our to maintain our infrastructure, to maintain our our, our civilization. People aren't having kids. Yeah. And that's or we're getting the, the two kids for a family or a one kid, this kind of thing. You gotta they, they gotta start having kids. Yeah. That's that that's a big <clears throat> part of that immigration.
0: Exactly. And well, it's funny. I think immigration is one of the reasons it's killing the birth rate because you're creating a welfare state. And let's face it, a lot, you know, what happens is um, when you do the family reunification, the fact is, is that you have to support somebody for a certain amount of time. Yeah. I forget. I forget how long it is.
1: I think it's between five and seven years.
0: Yeah. But you bring your parents over. Yeah. I I think they can qualify for old age security, uh, health benefits,
1: everything.
0: And it's a drain.
1: Yeah. I don't think that's right. I, you know, even, uh, you know, like Canada Pension Plan, uh, CPP, and, and old age pensions should be limited to people who actually contributed into it, that program. Exactly. Not if you yeah. don't, you don't just, it's not a, a, a here I am, I'll, I'll collect that. And I, I totally disagree with anybody that uh, should receive that and, and say, so, so sorry, but that's, that's the way it goes. If you contributed, great. I'll give you an example of that. In Niagara, there's thousands of, Uh, migrant workers here. And a lot of these migrant workers are here for 20 to 30 plus years. All working in the fields, working hard, working basically uh, just slightly above minimum wage. They they live uh, in trailers, they live in bunkies, this kind of thing. They're working 10 to 12 hour days each day. Uh, There is no limit on the hours of work uh for a farm worker the work's got to be done it's done they got to pay them but uh they don't have to pay them overtime or anything like that but what a lot of these guys are doing at the end of that 25 30 years of work guess what they 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 uh qualify for cpp oh. so oh, when really they, when they go back to guatemala el salvador or or Mexico or, or, you know, wherever they come from and they've been working here for 25, 30 years and they hit age 60, boom, they, they qualify for that, that Canada pension plan and also the uh, old age pension for, for Canada. And I don't mm. have a problem with that at all. They've contributed all those years. They should be able to, to, or should be entitled to it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, um, I've dealt with, uh, some industries down in Leamington, um, where these people work. Yeah. They, a lot of them will come, come and actually work eight to 10 months and then go back and they support their family. Like, um, the, there's Filipino guys that I know were working down there and they were telling the guy I was working with that they make as much as a doctor in the Philippines. Yeah. They, they keep their noses out of trouble because they, you know, they, the, the guys I saw that I was working with, they treat them really well. They have good uh, lodging, uh, good work environment, and they, they pay them bonuses and things like that. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't though also like if you wanted someone who wanted to come to this country, wouldn't that be the person you want? They're willing to come and do that shitty work, stay out of trouble, commit to it. Why not?
1: Yeah. It just makes sense, you know, and, and I give them all the credit because they they came here and did the work nobody else wanted to do. Yeah. They they paid into Canada Pension Plan the entire time they're here. Mm-hmm. God bless them. Send them money. You know, they yeah. entitled to it more. That more so than the guy that's been on welfare all his life and sits around watch TV and watch the world's go by. Right.
0: Yeah. Because they're they're not the ones that are. um benefiting this country they're just a burden exactly and yeah you get someone who comes from another country that uh will (laughs) pull their weight no i i those are the type of people we want
1: exactly i would even say after that many years of working here they should offer them a a status as a canadian citizen yeah you know if if they so wanted to be
0: yep for sure
1: yeah because that's the people with that kind of work ethic, you know. That's the kind of people we want here.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Sure. So immigration, we got that clarified, and we know that we, we're we're dying species that are stopping having babies, and that's one of our big problems. And that's why we have a we have a need for immigration. Canada. Well, I, vo-
0: I volunteer to help
1: yeah uh, who doesn't right yeah exactly yeah. look at that. my arms just look at this oh i'm di-
0: you're disappearing
1: i'm like a amputee or something yeah there i am
0: Ooh.
1: okay next canada's military that was not big on my list
0: Ooh. Ooh. yeah okay
1: i would i'd bring canada's military up to the 1980 levels. Or at least where we could uh have a, a at least a full, I would say well, this is a good question. Um how many is in a brigade? What's a brigade?
0: Uh but a brigade's typically three battalions, right? So yeah. it could be two to three thousand guys.
1: Yeah. You know, right now we would be hard pressed to provide a single brigade.
0: Oh my you're kidding in Canada.
1: Of actual on the ground troops, I would say to at least have the ability to have, say, maybe two brigades on each coast and one, uh, one at least one brigade in uh, central Ontario or central Canada, or say Ontario, and also equip our military. I would also make it. I would bring a conscription bit conscription to the reserves of military training for individuals that would have to commit at least two years to the reserves, uh, for military. And that would be a a full commitment, not, uh, one where they can show up once a month and be done. They'll have to do the full commitment once every week, plus one week in a month. I would have that as a, a guarantee for every single buddy, and then I have a full reg regular force of at least, like I said, at least five to six brigades in Canada for for ground troops or military uh, people on the ground. Now, and our navy, the same thing that that could be part of that reserve force can uh, would we can actually. We have reserve naval ships that are sitting row, uh, lined up in, in docks across Halifax and in Vancouver and Victoria and all the, those areas, uh, Como, you know, like all those different areas with um, no cruise. I get these, these ships going and getting them doing uh, sovereignty cruises up and down the coast. I get them uh, assisting in search and rescue, and same with the military, I would, or the air force, I would uh, increase. I would, I, I wouldn't be big on this F thirty five fighter or this next generation thing. I'd be just keep it down and dirty. Let's get some uh, ground attack aircraft such as the A tens. Mm-hmm. We, we could get from the states, so we're going to buy second hand aircraft. Let's get the A tens, and uh, let's get some new super hornets yeah that can double engine for so they can handle our our northern expanse and areas and have the range and have an ability to actually do what we we are supposed to do you know be able to to extend our or help with this will help with the identity of canada i think yeah. especially with the the fact that uh, every person has to commit two years to the the military reserves, and
0: it, it's still and it's still a sense of pride and patriotism in the country at the very least.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And that, that yeah,
1: that would be uh, that would be one of the things uh, that I would definitely have happen.
0: Yeah, I I had a uh, one point too, like on on the military, and I think. The problem we've always had, well, since we well, actually, we had a very effective military right up into the 60s. What happened is, I mean, socialism got in the way. Mr. Trudeau uh, started gutting the military uh, in order to build his wonderful socialist paradise. But I think, too, I agree with you on the fact is that have an effective professional army that would be uh, available would have all the sea and air transport it requires to fulfill our treaty obligations exactly like you say two brigades maybe even i would say push it up to a division that we could deploy yeah have the have the transport have the um air support have the all the you know the Logistical. engineering medical yep. logistics in order for that division to fight exclusively as a Canadian division. Yep. Then the next step of the military or the next sort of role of the military is to discourage and impose our sovereignty on our land. The discourage exactly. invasion and impose so- our sovereignty on our land. And like you say, the best way to do that is to have a large militia force conscription i i think could be hit or miss with some of the uh, snowflake generation that i see would actually melt <laughs> <laughs> on the first day of basic training that's right <laughs> but um
1: well that's where, I think... where you'd have to give some incentives for them you know that if they go along with the measures and and contribute and they don't uh, flake out that the longer they uh, I'll give an example of what they should do with flake outs the people that flake out I won't mention her name uh I'll just take her as an example she joined the military to go into the communication squadrons in the in the Canadian military okay how long do you think basic training is
0: uh ours was uh two months in the reserves
1: in the reserves but in the reg force
0: i think it's uh 12 weeks is it okay i thought it was they shortened it to eight or something yeah it might have been
1: eight weeks yeah it might be eight Mm -hmm. weeks lady joining the military and going into uh the regular force signed a a five-year contract right Mm -hmm. and she gets to uh basic training and she snowflakes Mm -hmm. all right so, know what they make her do again? Basic training. <laughs> Snowflakes again. So, what do they do again? Make her do basic training.
0: <laughs> Just get. I did, it took her three times to get the message, eh?
1: Yeah, and then once she got through, she did literally over uh, six months in basic training. Of her, of her, of her contract. And Uh, then while she is waiting for her trade course to come up because she, again, claimed some kind of injury or some kind of thing like that, they said, okay, we're going to put you in a logistical, uh, uh, location in, uh, what's the location, uh, Wainwright.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know if you know where Wainwright is.
0: Alberta. Yeah.
1: Like God forsaken middle of freaking nowhere, Alberta.
0: Isn't that one of the biggest training areas in Canada?
1: It is. And it's yeah. and the thing is, it's it's likened to the most uh like uh Afghanistan type terrain, basically, and there's yeah. no real base as much as there's just a bunch of quonset huts there in mm. the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah, so that's where she spent the next six months while she waited for her course to open up again. And then she went on her course. Guess what happened during her course? She got pregnant. Snowflake. Halfway through her course, (laughs) right? Yeah. After Wayne, Wayne, (laughs) Wade, right. She went for another three months until the next course opened up. And then she started again.
0: Look at, you know what? I I just, I I just wonder about that.
1: I laugh. That's it's hilarious.
0: They that's spend that that's, much money on her.
1: Well, not so much. They, they not only spent the money on it, but you know, if you talk to that same person now, you think she wants to snowflake out or anything? Nope. Yeah. No. Nope. No. It it gave her it, it gave her a backbone, right? For the most part, and which was funny, which is you know, was she the good thing? So that's, that's why I look at the, the reserves, the two years of reserves. We can do this day in, day out guys. You want a snowflake. Yeah. We, well, we start well over how, again. how did
0: she turn, how did she turn out? How did she turn out after?
1: Well, she, uh, she ended up doing 10 years in the military and then, uh, she, she got married and, uh, ended up, um, having kids and she, uh, left the military, but, uh, she at least still has a strong affiliation for it yeah. and and she did actually remuster she went from communications i guess she had been doing logistics so much she she enjoyed it and she remustered into logistics so mm-hmm. so she ended up doing that for the last 5 years hmm. well
0: you know what that's a success story even though it, it is. was a long one
1: yeah and like i said she's you know it gave her a backbone mm mm-hmm. mhm so I give her credit for that. And that's what they need to do with these snowflakes. That's yeah. what I think one of the benefits of the reserves would be for these guys. Cause you know, they know that basic training is going to be tough training. And if they know they're going to hit that tough training over and over and over and over again, and there's no escaping it. I think you'll see yeah. some of these snowflakes turn around.
0: Yeah. Oh, I definitely think it. I like, you know, my time in and and going through training is it was at Ipperwash, which was a dump, but um, there were certainly some guys that you could see that gave him some backbone.
1: Yeah.
0: I though, you know, one of the things I think though, uh, also is what they used to have also was a home guard. Yeah. they would be old farts like us. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'd be expendable.
1: <laughs> we get to guard all the canals and bridges and the transformer stations, right? We could.
0: They yeah. could teach, we could, like, what I thought too is like you could teach, you know, like basic military skills, uh, trust the enemy, logistics, uh, yep. communications,
1: guerrilla warfare. Eh. Yeah.
0: And, and I, I like, and then the neat thing about training older people like us is that we could pass the knowledge on and they wouldn't have to pay us yeah and most of us are very patriotic and would love to serve our country
1: that's right yeah
0: even though we don't have the physical stamina anymore to to do that we could certainly help out one way
1: yep that's a good point in israel you're a member of the military at least the reserves right up until you hit age 55 yeah i know that i I remember one day uh this this old gentleman he had to be in his 70s came in to uh to join the and i guess he was in the uh, the polish army during world war ii oh really yeah and this is, this is a few years back. We're talking, uh, he's, he's long really? past by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he came in to, to join, he wanted to join the to Serve Canada. And he had his prior uh, experience he had was uh, in the Polish army during World War II. And they had to, they thanked him for coming in and everything else. And they treated him really well. They uh, basically said, you know, sadly, they couldn't take him as a, a to join the reserves but they they did give him an open invitation into the junior ranks and the sergeant's mess from then on so
0: yeah we'll see that imagine the the wealth of experience that that guy would have that he could pass on to people oh yeah because nobody suffered like the poles
1: yeah okay let's uh move on from here there young todd and what do you think the next thing
0: well mine was uh kind of dovetails in that is addition of the right to bear arms into our constitution
1: yeah i like that i like that so quite simple here's some stats on that coming out of the states if you're a concealed carry holder in the us right now the you are uh, they said about more likely not to be involved in criminal activity more so than if you were a police officer.
0: <laughs> I know, that's that's a pretty interesting statistic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this too kind of dovetails into your concept of conscription and our military policy. Is the fact is is that uh, we could have a policy of everyone could own an AR, everyone can own a everyone could own a handgun, provided that. Um, I I do believe that it's important to do training. Any training I've done, I've enjoyed. Yeah. And it builds, you become part of a fraternity and, you know, you get to know people and I think it's a good experience. So I would, though, not uh, put the training uh, through the government. I would do it through gun clubs and um, local militia associations and things like that. where. you know, if you wanted to own a firearm, uh, you just have to pass the course. And yep. I, I think I, I think a and criminal a background, background check, yeah, yeah. A I think, I think check criminal too. criminal background. It's reasonable. Yeah, it's very reasonable. It's quite that, quite quite simple, like that. We already have tons of laws on the books that they could enforce if uh, somebody if they abuse
1: any of that. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Good points. I agree with that totally on that. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of very responsible gun owners out there. I'd say most of them. They should be trusted with the what what they uh, with their training and their 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 stability, mental stability, and uh, knowledge. And I think maybe you're expanding the PAL system and the PAL to reflect the the additional responsibility of a carried concealed situation.
0: Exactly. I think um, concealed carry is a good idea. Certain parts of Canada, that's for sure. Oh yeah. And they catch you without a concealed carry permit. Eight years.
1: And three months and two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. Why eight years?
0: Well, I think that was that. That was the pe- the the thing on the books. Oh okay. That Man. I that I read. That you okay. get, they have an eight year, uh, which they never use.
1: Oh, in the States and the federal laws or down no, I think there? in Canada, in Canada, I yeah. think most, most federal laws in Canada are they, the minimum sentences usually run two years, five years, 10 years. Mm-hmm. I don't, so I haven't heard of any that run eight.
0: Yeah. I thought it was, uh, using a firearm and a commission of a crime. Yeah. Yeah. that's
1: a, that's a minimum five Mm-hmm. so yeah i
0: thought uh, I'll or to... is
1: it minimum two on that
0: oh i think it's more like, yeah. i mean can you imagine only two years for robbing a freaking bank yeah like
1: that's not in your pen time
0: no no nope
1: hmm. alrighty so we got uh so far we got immigration we got taxation we have the canadian military we have carrying firearms the firearms sec- almost like a second amendment uh now for f- the fifth one i'm thinking i would make the parole board personally responsible for the people they release
0: oh that's a good one
1: yeah that's that that would be a, a, a something that i'd want that so they, they could
0: be held uh liable civilly civilly, civilly liable,
1: liable if they yeah. release somebody that is uh, what other people have already, already pr- tried to prevent uh of dangerous offenders and things of that nature that was just one of the things i was thinking of
0: oh that's
1: and, excellent yeah and another kind of backing on that personal responsibility thing, I would also include on that uh, the right of recall on politicians.
0: Now, would that be through a, a petition? Through I a petition
1: have, of- or referendum? Uh, yeah, petition, and uh, which could, in a case of a member of parliament, would create a by-election
0: mm-hmm.
1: in case of uh, a leader of a, of a party, a political leader, uh, then that it would be again, maybe a, an online referendum. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is we're looking at, um, politicians that may at the most have 30% support. Right. Mm-hmm. So anytime you get a recall, you'll get a lot of these, you, you they're bound. Everybody's going to be recalled. So you have to figure out a way that would reflect um, a more reasonable amount maybe it would have to be the, pol- the the actual political party do the recall as a result of a a, a a referendum or a or a petition that do you
0: think any do you think any of these prick liberals will recall any of their scumbag politicians?
1: yeah probably not.
0: How about um, you could recall your member of parliament in your writing? Yeah. And then if you recall that member of parliament, they can no longer vote in parliament.
1: Yes, that would be good. Because and then then if you
0: get a real revolt in the country and you take out X number of politicians of a particular party, all of a sudden they have a minority government.
1: That's right and the government falls. That's yeah. right. yeah, I like that that way, but much better. yeah, that makes yeah. a lot more sense.
0: But boy, talk about putting the reins on them may eh? that be that's a really good idea to have recall. Yeah. yeah actually well see Gavin Newsom in California yeah, he's facing a recall election.
1: Yeah, that's which is great. Yeah, I see the you know from the polls right now uh, down in the states that it looks like the 2022 elections coming up. It's going to be a trouncing of the the Democrats down there, um, from what all the polls and all the the all the issues uh, that they have been talking about uh, from. Uh, education, military, everything, like everything down there. Uh, the, the, and the Democrats have been behind the eight ball and, and, and promoting the wrong thing, the which is interesting. Defunding and everything else. Right.
0: Yeah. Then how would it, if they're that unpopular, how did a Democrat win the federal yes. election?
1: Well, they, they're saying these, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I still am dying to find out what happened in Arizona and, and what the results of that, you know, and see uh, if that's ever going to come to light. That'd be an interesting uh, show. It in will. Yeah. I
0: think it will, uh, but not in time. They'll just have another election. He'll They'll drag it out to 2024.
1: Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. we're already
0: almost halfway through 2021. Yeah. But do you imagine how unpopular and which might not be a bad strategy because we're in heading to rough economic times. Uh, the people are already sick of the Democrats after six months.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine
0: another three and a half years. Be
1: yeah, exactly. Pitchforks so, and torches. So what they're calling for is a flipping of the, the House and the Senate uh, to, to the Republicans, which will make uh, Biden just a lame duck president.
0: Yeah, he's yeah already a yeah. lame duck.
1: Yeah, lame duck, of course. Yeah but that's that's my U.S uh, oversight there. Segway okay. yeah Segway. yes. okay, let's carry on. So
0: okay, here's my um uh, number six for me is expel every goddamn Chinese national from this country. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, there, oh, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of immigrants from mainland China and Hong Kong have come here to get away from that shit.
1: Yeah, I would expel everybody that has a membership in the the Chinese Communist Party.
0: Exactly, but we might not necessarily know that. If we get CSIS to do its job and find out uh, who these uh, people are representing, because uh, there's also, um, I've, I've been reading a lot of intimidation of people of Chinese descent that have immigrated here uh, by national Chinese nationals that are over here. What I'm really alluding to is the fact is that there is a lot of Chinese communist party undermining of our society. Yep. And we have to find them, send them back home.
1: One of my points was to prevent foreign ownership of resources and uh, industry foreign governments.
0: Huh, that was, I got the exact same point. 100% oh, okay. on that. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent agreement on that.
1: Yeah. That was one of my points I was going to bring up as well. Yeah. We don't need, uh, I think the, the way the Chinese thing is there, I'd also, you know, if anybody that takes a bribe or, a, or is influenced a politician should automatically be held and is uh, guilty of high treason and subject them to life imprisonment if anybody that has, takes a bribe
0: yeah and it could be you could take a, a a campaign donation uh if you take a knowingly take a camp like because what they do is they always have shell companies right or yeah. shell people yeah. that but if they trace it back and you knowingly take a financial contribution from a foreign national in your political, you know, when you're running for parliament or something like that, agreed 100%. That's, it is treason. Yeah. they The Liberal Party's done it. And I think also Aaron O'Toole as well. well as Aaron O'Toole's
1: you know, uh, campaign manager is a former Huawei uh, executive, right?
0: I know. I know. And Huawei is basically a branch of the Chinese Communist Party. It's disgusting. Equivalent of a First Amendment protection of free speech.
1: Right on. I agree with that hundred percent. Freedom of religions. I would. I definitely go along with all that. And to the point that I would remove the Supreme Court appointees because of their political affiliations, and I'd have a consensus of provincial judges from across Canada that would meet rather than just members of the Supreme Court. I suppose it'd be a still a Supreme Court, but it'd be have to be made up of uh, judges coming from all provinces of Ontario of Canada uh-huh. to give a more fair constitutional matters. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly, because we are not we are a confederation. Yeah, where the it was supposed to be a sort of a a weaker. Clearly there were there were responsibilities that mostly all the economic and judicial. Responsibilities were provinces, and the federal government looked after national issues.
1: Exactly, and I'd yeah. also put term limits as being a member of the Supreme Court.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a great idea. No, that's a good one. Now it's your turn.
1: Speaking of term limits, uh, I'd also expand that to probably politicians as well. But oh, exactly. Um, I'd also I'd hold politicians and public servants. Who knowingly violate the Constitution, criminally responsible? So,
0: like, if he passes a stupid free speech law, yep, yeah,
1: and have our own version of Nuremberg trials.
0: Well, if you look at our present inhabitant of uh, Sussex Drive, I don't even think he lives in Sussex no. Drive, right? Does he?
1: No, he lives in the <laughs> Governor General's uh, cottage.
0: Yeah. Oh, you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: well, maybe, eh?
0: Yeah. Well, our president inhabited uh, has done a lot of things with his, we charity sending money to his friends, his school settlement. Yeah. His, what else did he, Oh, uh, Judy Wilson, Raybould incident incident with yep. the, with the, uh, attorney general. Was it attorney general? No,
1: that was a uh, Quebec, uh, SNC lab That's right.
0: And he gets away with it in the present system. Yep. I've got one here. Defund the cbc
1: oh geez that's that came out of left field <laughs> literally left field yeah. yes
0: and, no, and i don't mean defund the cbc i mean that the put them uh, on we, an even
1: playing field with everybody else
0: well no i was even thinking of um uh giving the armed forces uh engineering battalions to the task of demolishing every cbc building in canada
1: <laughs> well <laughs> I think the way I look at it, I think the CBC should exist as an infrastructure in the sense of they should receive funding so that they could broadcast from coast to coast. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't support money on like, I'd I'd say here's we need that uh, a national coast to coast infrastructure for a, a for telecommunications, and I'd allow them that, but I would not allow them money to go into their finding news or their news or their their what they produce. No money to that. Only money to physical objects, like here's a, a repeater station, here's a, a transmitting tower, here's this, here's that. And that's as far as my funding would go with the CBC just so we have at least one coast-to-coast uh, ability to transmit for for national emergencies, things of that nature.
0: Then, you know, you could have them basically just radio then.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could.
0: The United States has an interesting law. It was something like, uh, I don't know if it was called the fair use law or something, is that if you allow some person of a particular uh political bend to, to get programming time or or get on that you have to provide the equivalent time to someone to to oppose that
1: oppose that yeah that would be good or if they do give somebody uh preferential treatment it it translates into a, a political contribution that Mm -hmm. has to be declared by the the politician.
0: Yeah, there certainly wouldn't be any $600 million a year of uh, tax breaks for our media.
1: No, not at all.
0: Yeah, it's almost like that's the other thing I would include that in there is that that's basically making every media outlet in this country CBC or or equivalent.
1: Yeah, except for the, the ones that swing to the right. Like uh, the Toronto Sun and Rebel News, they don't get any of that money, mm-hmm. right? No. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one.
0: I got one more that I was kind yeah. of playing around with. Okay. We have a lot of division in this country, and the federal government has taken advantage of it. Politicians in Ontario and Quebec and the West have been using uh, the other provinces as the confrontation between English and French
1: to their advantage, right? Yeah.
0: As well as Aboriginal.
1: People. Yep. Yep.
0: I think the Aboriginal population in Canada is like close one, to a million.
1: One point. I thought it was like 1.8 million. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: it's significant. Yeah. The past is the past. I think um, one of the things we could do to move forward in a future together is all three cultures acknowledgement that they have a part in this country. Yeah, this country is made up of people of English, and what I mean English is too is like really uh, European, Western European, yeah, uh, or, or origin, and 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 Western society.
1: Western society, yeah,
0: yeah, and French is part of Europe as well, but you know there was an original Quebec portion. Of yeah,
1: there's a distinction uh, about them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that originated in this country, and I mean it's just not Quebec that is French. No. <laughs> There's huge French populations all over the country. That's right. And as as far as the Aboriginal Aboriginal culture in this country, and maybe the way forward is acknowledgement. The communist Cuba's love child in the uh, Sussex Drive right now, or the Governor's General's Cottage right now, says Canada has no real culture. It's a post national state. Well, I think we could fight back on that and and have official acknowledgement that Canada is, was developed and made by three founding cultures. That's right. English, French, and Aboriginal. Yeah. And in, in that, the right, the language and culture rights for those three cultures are preserved constitutionally. Yeah. And what that would mean is that if you come to this country, you have to acknowledge, accept, like when in Rome, do as the Romans do. The fact is, is that these are the three cultures in this country Yeah. and any other culture in this country, you know what, you can practice it in your own, own home or whatever you want to do. You have the freedom to do that, Yeah. but don't be, don't be trying to portray that in any official capacity in this country.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think with like native or Aboriginal people, it would allow them to enshrine the fact that they have the rights to... To continue their culture, promote it, learn, and teach their own languages, their, their native languages as well. And yeah. that goes for all three languages, English, French, and the multitude of aboriginal languages that there are in this country.
1: I agree 100% on that, Todd. That's a great, yeah. great way to round out our, 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 yeah. our conversations as uh, being the, the benevolent dictator with heads on the spikes or buried under the under the, the concrete, who knows? I'd uh, share power with you, buddy. There you go. Yeah. 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 So we we have the, the we've solved the world's problems tonight on the, the Great uh-huh. Canadian Beacon, and uh, I think that's a wrap. I think we uh, covered a lot of good stuff, and uh, I can't wait for our next podcast and get Paul back on board, and and we'll go from there. So thanks again for your listening to the Canadian Beacon Podcast, and that's a wrap. You have been listening to the Canadian Beacon Podcast. We would love to hear your comments or suggestions. Please email us at cbpodcast at cogeco.ca or follow us on
0: Facebook under the Canadian Beacon.